Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson. It is Michigan week. Gentlemen, does it feel like it is the uh, the week that features the best opponent on Nebraska's schedule? Is there a certain feel in the air for you in that regard? Brunts is, is searching the, the recesses of his brain to figure out what I'm talking about. It feels early for, for Michigan. I, I don't I, I feel like uh, every time Nebraska plays Michigan, it should be like a miserable November day. Um, Only in Ann Arbor. Correct. Where the sun doesn't shine. Um, but no, it, it's uh, it's a nice little welcome back to Big Ten football. Really slow, slow playing teams. I'm here for it. BC, you got thoughts? Does it feel uh, like it, a big week? No, it doesn't actually. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you guys feel differently. I haven't, I haven't picked up on that yet. Maybe it's just because Nebraska has such a every week is the same approach with this this staff, and so that that kind of rubs off in off on everybody. But uh, no, I I don't feel it. I'm trying to remember if two years ago when Nebraska took them to the wire, if there was belief Nebraska could be in that game or not. I can't recall what the spread was and all that stuff. But um, uh, it was less than a touchdown wasn't it was it okay yeah it because this week there's definitely not that i don't sense from the fan base like a a great amount of confidence yeah. like that there and maybe it's the injury situation or just the lack of thought that they can score a touchdown the way the offense is well the 2021 thing that was coming off of they had just completely shut down kenneth walker they beat the crap out of right Western. and so spirits were high that nebraska could hang around in that game which they they did i mean yeah one of you guys said that you recently just rewatched it. Uh, and I, I recall thinking as that game was happening, they're actually going to do this. And then of course, you know, they actually did not in fact do it. We've been, we've been down that, that road a few times. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's their off season pod in the making right there. Yeah. So, all right. Um, let's, let's tackle the, the weekend that was with Louisiana tech. Uh, to me, it's sort of a two different, mindsets of it there's how everything looked before the restart and there's how everything looked after the restart when you talk about nebraska's defense and yards allowed and and everything else but it was the totality of the game we'll start on the defensive side of the ball michael brunts any concerns that louisiana tech showed on the field about nebraska's defense no i correct me if i'm wrong it, it felt like nebraska was was not be, was intention by design not bringing a ton of pressure yeah. in that? They're they leaving seven or eight back in the backfield almost every play. Like it, it, and if you go back through the numbers, I mean, through three quarters and through the beginning of the fourth, basically up to the delay, I think you know Louisiana Tech was right at about two hundred yards total offense. They had seven points. Um, Nebraska again had not really given up big plays, um, and, and just you know kind of tailored what they are were doing to. Um, the opponent. And I thought that was pretty smart. So I, I don't know that there were huge concerns. I mean, they shut down whatever running game Louisiana Tech was going to have. Um, you know, they they got off the field. They were helped by some some overthrows and drops as they have been through, uh, you know, the first four games. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't think that there was anything that I saw in that game that, that gave me a ton of pause. They, you know, Luke Reimer's injury and his status through the week is something to monitor. But I, I, I felt like that was a game where you saw Tony White kind of pivot a little bit to you know, basically, you know, tailor the tailor the strategy for who they're playing. Imagine that smart football coaching. <laughs> that was a lace comment right there. At the yeah. End. 
BC, how how big of a blow is it to not have Cameron Lenhart? It feels like he sort of provided a little bit of the pass rush element kind of individually. And was that a product of Colorado or a product of, of Cam Lenhart? Or, or kind of what are your thoughts on, on the freshman defensive lineman did not play on Saturday? Yeah, probably a product of both to the first question. And it is um... – yeah, it's too bad because he had such momentum coming out of the Colorado game. And you're like, I just can't wait to kind of see where this freshman season goes. And it still can go places. But um, first off, he was lucky and he knows it. You ever saw him tweet it out, you know, that in he could have been severely injured on that play. And it looked like one of those where your season's over. So if he can get back um, pretty soon, um, that'll be a big lift, uh, you know, probably for his own uh, mental side, but also that defense. And just like, I, I do think he gives a little something extra. I mean, he wasn't starting right away as a true freshman to begin the season for no reason. It's because he earned it on a group that's proven to be pretty good. I mean, it's not like there's not competitors for those spots. So um, I've, I've, I, it would be huge if he could come back soon. And um, real quick on the D line, Nash Hutmacher, Hutmaker, has just taken his game to um, a place I didn't expect it to be yet, really. that That's probably been the biggest thing for me when you talk about the defensive front, and I don't think we should lose sight of that story, like how far he's traveled from what he was a season ago. I also think like he's such a great example of it sometimes takes a couple years for a guy to really blossom into what he's going to be. Like there's just this expectation that players should come in and be great right away, and it doesn't – everyone's development track is – a little bit different. And so it's good to see Nash Hutmacher kind of maximizing where his is at this point in time. I'm going to, I'm, I'm flying through this. If there's stuff you want to get to on the defensive side of the ball, slow me down, but I'm going to move over to the offense brunts. Heinrich Harburg's second appearance, uh, less pretty than the first one, a little bit more gritty, uh, struggled to, to kind of move the ball through the air at times, but the quarterback run game still the bread and butter of this offense. Yeah, it's uh, and it's old school stuff. It's I formation. It's the traditional option that are really giving teams trouble. I think Nebraska's got some guys that they feel good about at that fullback, tight end, H back spot that can kind of create some some space um, in, in the run game. And I'm eager to see you know what if they can build on that because I, I don't know that. You know, this is a team that's going to stand back there and have success throwing it a ton of times. I mean, they're going to have to do that occasionally, but it, it's it's funny. I mean, it, as much as the offense has kind of struggled and looked out of sorts for most of this, the first four games of the season, I mean, if you if you went to people and said, okay, Nebraska's going to run for 312 yards on the ground against Louisiana Tech, you would absolutely take that. Um, it's just that it's you know, looked, looked bad at times. It's been kind of stuck in neutral, but the passing game, um, but you know, we'll, we're going to find out a lot about this offense over the next couple of weeks about whether or not they can continue to ground it out and, and kind of, you know, land the body blows, so to speak against big 10 defenses, because um, you know, they've been able to do it, do it the last couple of weeks with Harburg in there. Um, and I, I think the other thing you have to probably highlight uh, again, no turnovers. They won the turnover battle, um, and, and that's notable too. Yeah, well, that's the first time this year they've won the turnover battle, right? I think they were at a stalemate against Northern Illinois, and then uh, – or did they have two takeaways from Northern Illinois? I don't remember. 
I know they lost the first two games. Uh, I believe they were even against okay. Northern Illinois. So, yeah, so first time they've won the turnover battle, obviously taking care of the football. It's going to be a huge thing for this team, especially we get into Big Ten play, which starts, of course, this weekend with Michigan. PC, Anthony Grant, uh, we, we got to see flashes of big play potential there. Is it fair to say he's the second most important person on this offense behind whoever is at quarterback at this point in time? at least in terms of his big play potential? Or do you think Billy Kemp is is number two? Who Who's number two, BC? Uh, as for you're just talking about skill guys, I think it's Anthony Grant. Um, now, if you want to bring the line into this conversation, I think it's some, uh, you know, the line. We are going to talk about the line in just a little bit. I, well, I won't, well, I won't go there then. Skill guys, um, Anthony Grant would be second to me because it, it's just going to – he's going to get the – it's not just that he's going to get the ball 15 to 20 times a game. It's what can he do in pass pro, you know, and grow in that part of his game. And, you know, you saw how excited rule was when he picked up the blitz on the touchdown to Thomas Fedoni. And that reaction comes from usually when a coach is working with the player very hard on something, it's not always going quite to plan. And then you see it happen. And it's like, that's it. That's it, man. We just got to bottle that up and keep that going. And so that's going to be a huge deal, like for Anthony, the rest of this season, if he can do all that little stuff really well. And they're going to need someone else in that backfield to join him in that. I don't, someone's got to be a really quick study. We didn't see Quentin Ives. Um, you know, Emmett Johnson did get some reps. So that's good to at least get his feet in the water. But they're going to have to, they're going to have to grow fast to give them a second option at that position. All right, now it's time for offensive line talk. Um, I would just like to say real quickly, through four games this year, it feels like they're slightly better than they were last year. But the things that still are problematic are very much problematic. It felt like Louisiana Tech confused the front of that offensive line on Saturday. Multiple times you had linemen who did not know who they were supposed to block, did not know where the pressure was coming from. And it's inexcusable. Like, you're veterans. There's not a single veteran that isn't on that offensive line. There's not a guy who's getting his feet wet. There's not someone who doesn't know what he should be doing. And I don't know if it's a communications issue. I don't know if it's a skill issue. It could be a combination of both. But the amount of times that teams go into a different front and it just causes issues for them up front, regardless of coaching staff now, is is completely inexcusable. And so uh, Michigan would be wise to do the same. They're talented enough that they can go straight through you. They don't need a lot of uh, tricks, but they certainly can can utilize them. Uh, it's going to be a tough weekend for Nebraska's offensive line. What brunts did you see out of the offensive line on Saturday, and what have you seen from them this season? Yeah, you had a pretty good summation there. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's better than it has been, but that's not a high bar to clear. No. And, um, you I know, don't want to come off as an endorsement when you say that either. Like it needs to be better than it is right now too. Yeah. You're, you're in the don't buy category with them. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, it's well, I mean, and there's been a lot of focus on Teddy Prohaska and whether or not he's going to be back because, you know, presumably that allows you to move things around a little bit. Um, I, I, my sense is, is they're still being extremely cautious with Teddy. Um, you know, I think they need to see a little bit more from him in practice maybe before they, you know, pull the trigger on on moving him in for Corcoran, even though uh, Turner, you know, had his issues, uh, has had his issues again, uh, a tackle, uh, playing out playing out of position, you know, the, this season. So 
I don't know that there's an easy fix. I mean, I, I think I think it's a team that's okay going forward in in in, in the power game and and you know run blocking. What what gives me a little bit of pause, especially coming into a weekend like this, is you know do you are, are you able to block quick really quick twitch guys on that defensive line? And this is going to be a different challenge than what they've faced so far this season. So uh, I will say I, I think Bryce Benhart's been better. Um, than what he's had been in the past. We're going to find out, I think, a little bit more about that uh, against Michigan and, and Illinois the next couple of weeks. PT, before we head into break, uh, any final any final thoughts on the offensive line or the team in general after four games and heading into Big Ten play? Well, there's a little bit of a combo platter problem here because it's, yes, the O-line has, has definitely had some plays where you're like who was supposed to handle him you know like the, some of that stuff and then there's also dealing with a young quarterback which you would expect where there's maybe not a sense on a couple of those occasions of when to just uh yeah it's a bad play don't make it a worse play basically mm -hmm. and so um i think the o-line uh when their mistakes have occurred they've sometimes been made to they've been even heightened in how they look because you have a young QB and some of that. So it's, it's all attached together. I think, because if you listen to rule speak about some of the sacks, um, you know, he, he will, he will say on a few of them, Harburg shouldn't have taken those like the last couple of weeks. Like those, those are plays where the ball had to come out. It was an RPO situation, stuff like that. So all that's working together and it's, it's going to be a tough ask against this Michigan defense. Um, my final thought is, um, rule talked about his blueprint the other day. And I think you can be both encouraged about like, you can see it like on the, you know, it's out in front of you on the table, like how this can look and the style of play they're going to be and be encouraged through these first four games, especially because they're six in the country and rushing or whatever. And yet you can also uh, get inside that and you're like, okay, this is going to be some very tough lessons learned throughout October and November. And I think both those things can be true at once. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be your final thought. We're going to come back right after this. We spent some time talking about Nebraska's performance against Louisiana Tech a little bit, looking at Michigan ahead. Uh, but what I want to get into right now, guys, what Matt Rule has said so far this week um, and sort of where things are at injury-wise and a little bit on recruiting at a big recruiting weekend ahead as we finish things up here. We'll start with this. What did Matt Rule say on Monday that caught your attention, Michael Brooks? It was actually a fairly kind of not snoozy day, but, I mean, there wasn't a ton that came out of that. I mean, I, I – They didn't lose two players for the year, and you found yourself thinking, huh, pretty quiet around these parts. Well, the the big breaking news yesterday was that the coffee maker downstairs in in the the office was broken and that was that was something that was noted early on. Matt Rule kind of muttered under his breath, which I I can I can emphasize. Did you offer to bring him a pot of your of your fancy coffee? I was like, well, "Why don't we just we we don't need to do this now. We can just well come back. We don't we don't need to do this right this second. I understand." Uh no, I, I think probably the most interesting thing to me was basically, you know, the, the blueprints there. They want to be Michigan. Like, they want to play that style of football. They want to run the ball. They want to be efficient at the quarterback spot, and they want to play a good defense. I mean, I think everybody does, but, I mean, you don't often, you know, basically have a coach say that, you know, this opponent, that's who we want to be. That, that's what we're going to – that's what we're going for. And 
I thought that was interesting. Um, beyond that, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there was, uh, yeah, I think he likes the way that his front seven's playing. Um, I think they want to win more one-on-one battles up front with that defensive line and the pass rush. But I, I think for the most part, pretty pleased with that part uh, of his defense. We'll see uh, how they hold up this week. But uh, that, that was those are two things that kind of stood out, unless I'm missing something, Brian. Yeah, Brian, fill in the blanks. <laughs> no, you got most of it. Um, I guess it, 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 this is a small thing, but one thing that shows in this staff is they're not too proud to try on different hats. And like you heard him speak on like them running a 40, 41 pitch play, you know, where they like line up in the I formation on that first drive of the third quarter against Louisiana tech. And um, that's stuff where they're, they're even listening to like Ron Brown and some of the guys, you know, who were around in the nineties. And I know people get a little edgy about when we're talking about the past like that. Um, but I think when you think about the pieces on this offense right now and what's lacking, they need every bit of that sort of wisdom and some of those those things you could um, make staples that they can get. And um, I like that they tried some of that on and, you know, uh, had a fullback in there. And Luke Lindenmeyer, I thought, played a really big game on uh, Saturday as sort of an unsung hero. And he talked about him. And so some of that stuff. Those that's going to be really key for Nebraska going forward to find a couple of those plays that maybe they're old school plays, but you feel like you can get four or five yards on them and keep you kind of in the game with the uh, down and distance and you go from there. So we'll see. Yeah, I want to I want to go back to sort of the conversation about Nebraska wanting to be like Michigan. How much of that do you guys think stems from the fact Matt Rule spent time in the NFL and you sort of look at what Jim Harbaugh has brought to Michigan since his stint? in the NFL and they feel like a program built most like an NFL team. They're good in the trenches. They try to win, um, you know, in the small margins, they're not super flashy. They're not running an offense that you wouldn't see on Sundays. Um, it it kind of feels like taking that NFL mindset out of the NFL and, and putting it at Nebraska. It, it, am I misreading that situation or, or where do you guys come down on, on sort of the idea that part of wanting to be like Michigan is sort of being more like an NFL team in design and concept and execution. I think it's a NFL. Yeah. I think there's some of that. I also think it's a, how can I win in these elements conversation, mm-hmm. like where, where you are uh, on the map and, you know, you're going to play games in cold weather and stuff like that. And and rule talked a lot about that in the off season. You remember, he'd always bring up like the wind around here and stuff like that. And I think he, he's also said like, I have to find there's, you got to find different ways to win at Nebraska than there were, were at Baylor. Like every situation is different and the type of teams you're going up against. And so I think the NFL piece is an interesting part of the pie probably but I do think it's also like Midwest football, Big Ten football. Like, how do you win in no- November in this league? And you've got to have those dudes who, I mean, Brunson and I went up to Ann Arbor last year. That was that 34-3 game. It was just a complete boring game. But that was just Michigan completely like putting Nebraska's face in the dirt, like for five yards of play for 60 minutes of football. And um, They didn't even look good in that game. Like, J.J. No. McCarthy looked terrible. They didn't play that well, but it was. And they still, still dominated. It was just still like here, here you go. We're gonna, you know, give you a, a wedgie or whatever again and again. <laughs> and um, 
it was uh it but you got you got to have like that look at that and be like okay this is what it's going to take eventually to be competitive in this league you've got to have the dudes in the trenches who can stand up in a late october early november game like that and um you know go go blow for blow and so that's what they're trying to build over the long term and they're not there yet and that's why there's going to be some tough saturdays this year um but i I think you got to have patience with it. And I think he knows that he, as he said before, year two can't be year one. And that's a big quote and something that needs to be true around here when we get to next season. Yep. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on any other injury news that we need to get out there uh, for this week, anything you're watching uh, or hoping to hear by Thursday when Matt Rule talks again? Well, the Rhymer one's a big one, obviously the quarterback position. Um, I, Does I it matter? Get- does it matter which one of those guys starts on Saturday to you? From, from a perception point of view, it probably does. Um, from an execution standpoint, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong here, but it, this this is a game where I I think as long as Nebraska doesn't just absolutely blow off both feet, like they're they're going to hang around till like the third quarter. Yeah. And I, I think as long as there's, you know, a, a small amount of efficiency you don't turn the ball over a ton uh you you play the field position game i think this is a game that nebraska can hang in on so i i I think this is a game where not turning the ball over is at a premium um you have one quarterback that has shown that he's not has not to this point done that uh not against the power five team but um I, I think that's a consideration for this week i i you know as boring as last year's game was i i feel like the way that Nebraska is going to play football this year, that this is a game that, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't see Michigan just coming out and blowing the doors off of Nebraska without some significant help early on from Nebraska. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I also think it's fair to, to wonder if Nebraska isn't just built in the fabric of its DNA to just be combustible in these types of situations right now too. So, um, there's there's that aspect of it. Anything else, BC, that you're looking for uh, team news-wise um, throughout the rest of the week? Uh, I mean, Brun's got to some of the guys that are dinged. I wonder if there's another guy or two that we'll hear about or that'll pop up getting to Saturday. So, I mean, that that's that's something to watch. I think this is a it, it is kind of a wounded football team, and I know everybody is everywhere, but you wish you were going into a game like this to take your punch with like both your quarterbacks completely a hundred percent. You know, you had at least one of those top two running backs. There's some other things, you know, um, even like you forget, like I was like, Oh yeah. I, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda got lost for the season early on in the year. And it'd be nice to even have him as an option at receivers. There's so a lot of stuff. I understand where the OC is always going to take, take tough critiques because that goes with the position but it's not exactly an easy hand to play with. And I can kind of uh, understand that the QB spot though is going to be really interesting because I like how um, rule put it. Like you don't want any Harburgers being sold at the local restaurant right now. I mean, he's had, I I hope that story takes off and he's really good, but it's been two games against two teams that aren't as good as the competition. The first two weeks, I honestly don't know what to make of the QB spot against like top competition in the big 10 and who actually gives them the best chance to win yet. And I know some people have already declared that to be a a given, but I don't, I don't know yet. And we're going to learn a lot this Saturday, maybe about that. 
Do you do you think it's going to look dramatically different if if Jeff Sims would be in the game, or do you think at this point the offense is largely what the offense is, regardless of who the quarterback is? I think it's um, much the same, um, no matter who the QB is. Um, but I wonder though, I Sims watching him move a little bit on Saturday. I thought there's still work to do with his mobility and stuff like that. You know, like it, it definitely seemed like he was still kind of in the emergency role to me, um, which he got called into for one play. But even watching him in warmups, I thought like he's not all the way back. And so like some of those runs that Heinrich made, I just don't think Jeff could have made not because he can't when he's healthy, but he's not or he wasn't that day to make them, I don't think. So Nebraska needs that. So whoever gives you the best chance with his feet, honestly, um, that that would be the guy that would have probably the lead in, in the clubhouse at this point going into who you play this week to me. The thing we don't the thing we don't know too, I, I to the degree we do with Harburg, is is Jeff Sims feel on that traditional option. Like that's right. a a rep based thing. And I mean, I think that can be a little bit of something that levels the playing field a bit for Nebraska because you don't see it a ton as an opposing defense. So, you know, that that I don't know um, if, if that tilts it towards Harburg a little bit more. But, um, you know, that that's, I think that's a consideration, too, because I think they have found something there uh, the last couple of weeks with that. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. It Thank is you. a good point. Thank you. You're yeah. All right, we'll finish up with a little recruiting here. Nebraska picked up a commitment last week from J.D. Crisp, a defensive athlete or offensive athlete, I guess athlete from Texas. Uh, we'll we'll learn more about him, I'm sure, as a, as the season goes along. Brunch, do you have any thoughts that you would like to add on J.D. Crisp? Yeah, he's a, a really good baseball player, too. Um, I think they had him at like a, a – he's like a 6'6 guy in the 60 in baseball, which is – a four, four type speed. Um, you watch his highlights. His senior film's a lot better than his junior film tracks the ball really well. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you're, he can play either side of the ball. Um, if you're in Nebraska right now, you probably actually have more of a need at wide receiver if we're being honest. Um, but you know, I, I think he can end up at either one, but, uh, you know, it, again, kind of, a the senior film type guy, we wondered about how many there would be given uh, the size of the class right now and how things are shaking out. But uh, a quick commitment um, after his unofficial visit. And we'll see. I, I think there's going to be a few more guys like that popping up um, over, over the next you know month or so as, as you know teams get further into their high school seasons. Yep. Whereas J.D. Crisp was a relative unknown. Brandon Baker was a five-star recruit. Nebraska had out for the game uh, against Northern Illinois, he ended up committing on Sunday night to Texas. Not a big shock. I thought I'd come down to Texas, Ohio State with Nebraska on kind of the outside looking in. I think Nebraska stayed in it throughout, uh, kind of to give themselves an opportunity should something shake loose with Texas or if he were to go into the portal at some point in his college career. Um, but the offensive lineman that I think they wanted more still remains on the available for them in Grant Bricks. Uh, I was there on Friday, watched him be a drum major, watched him be announced as the homecoming king, watched him play pretty much uh, 70, 80 percent of the snaps on a night where it was humid as hell. And they ran the ball on every play. And he basically got cut block on both sides of the ball on every play. Um, and 
Grant Bricks is a really interesting developmental player. I mean, he's going to need some time when he gets to Nebraska. Nobody wants to hear this because the wide receivers aren't already playing now. Grant Bricks probably isn't going to be a true freshman starter for Nebraska. This is a guy that is going to have to learn a lot on pass protection, uh, something he never really does in high school. But really talented player. Uh, you can see why anybody would be interested in him. And I didn't come away with a great sense of what he's going to do other than he feels like he's close. He said he's not going to pop up on any campuses until he's made a decision. Um, and so he uh, has no interest in, in game day visits right now. He feels like he's close to a decision. He also said that in August, and it's now nearly October. So you have to kind of take that for what it is. Uh, I like where Nebraska sits. I know from talking to other people at Logan Magnolia, uh, they have a hard time seeing him getting too far away from home. Pretty tight-knit family. He's got a younger brother that's in high school as well. Uh, and as I've mentioned many times, Logan is about 90 minutes from uh, Memorial Stadium. So proximity heavily in Nebraska's favor. Keith Williams, uh, the personnel guy for Nebraska, continues to just surface for a lot of these recruits. Um, and he's another one that when I ask Grant Bricks who he hears from, you mentioned, you know, Foley and Rule. And then he said Keith Williams and, and Donovan Rayola. I just I feel like Keith Williams is is kind of turned into a little bit of an asset. So I wanted to give him um, a bit of a shout out there. So that's that's kind of what you have from the Grant Brick side of things. This weekend, we're expecting quite a few visitors, including Ja'Cory Barney. Got a VIP story about him and the teams that are after him, as well as Nebraska, even though they have the commitment. He's coming out for a unofficial visit this weekend. Several other kids from Florida. The Metro will be well represented. Omaha West Side's Christian Jones plans to be there for the first half of the game and then will be taking off. Uh, for homecoming for Saturday night. So he's going to he's gonna see the first half. Good thing it's not a late game. There's no there's no fireworks show that he's going to miss out on. So that's kind of your quick recruiting rundown. There'll be more on Husker247.com. There'll be plenty more on Husker247.com of this Michigan game as BC and Brunts uh, write up everything that you need to know heading into Huskers versus Wolverines. And of course, we will have a hype cast later this week with a new special guest. And we'll get into that game into a little bit more detail, as well as all of the predictions. Uh, any final thoughts from either one of you guys? Nope. nope. Brunt, Brunt says no. No. B BC also says no. They have nothing to add, which means it's time for us to go. But be sure to stop by Husker247.com for more Husker247 content.